Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community where we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, I hope you're playing a lot of Magic, especially if you are practicing social distancing. I know I am. And I also continue the podcast, even though we might have some uh, stuff going around all over the world. You can always count on there being content related to magic, and I'm happy to help continue that. So I'm able to do the podcast with people all over the world remotely. So I've got a return guest to the podcast to talk all about magic. Please welcome back Top Hat Tolab. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. That's actually a great way to start the podcast. I've got to borrow that for my next episode. Thank you. How are you doing overall in general? Oh, I'm doing all right. Just, uh, you know, getting by day by day. Mm-hmm. Doing some work from home, perhaps? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had to transition all of my work stuff to home, definitely. So uh, to kind of keep myself sane, I have one part of the house as where I do my work and then the other part where I do the fun stuff so that they don't co-mingle and I don't get uh, distracted with, with arena when I should be getting some work done. Yeah. I, I live in California, so we're, we're on like pretty much total lockdown. Like I'm not even allowed to leave, leave my home. Yeah. Same here. I'm down in, down in San Diego and it's, uh, it's nice looking out the window, but, uh, it's not quite ready to, for people to really go out too much, is it? Yeah, I'm I'm closer to Sacramento, and it's been it's been raining most mm. of the time. So, mm-hmm. well, that's a good excuse to stay in anyway. Then, uh, I guess <laughs> we got a little bit of rain uh, unexpectedly last week, I think, which which we don't really see too much of. So it was a nice change of pace. Um, I forgot to take a photo because I usually like to take a photo of the rain because it's so uncommon in San Diego. Right. So thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, would you like to promote anything? Social media, streams, anything like that? Yeah, so um, I'm a variety streamer on um, on Twitch. Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Top Hat Tolab. Uh, I do mostly um, Dungeons & Dragons stuff, uh, whether it's the MMO or the uh, pen and paper. Uh, recently, my pen and paper game has been on a bit of a hiatus just mm-hmm. due to... Due to, uh, you know, all the um, holidays, you know, and stuff like that. But we're planning on coming back pretty soon. Uh, Also, going to be going back to Magic Arena. I haven't been streaming Magic Arena lately. Uh, Just, I don't know, just for for some reason, I just haven't really felt like doing that as much. Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, definitely going to get some more streaming into that uh, really soon here. Yeah, it's totally understandable for there to be highs and lows. I do follow a lot of people on Twitter and they talk about like burnout and just wanting, yeah. wanting to change things up. And so, yeah, if people need to do that, I totally support it. And there's plenty of ways to uh, entertain ourselves. So magic will always be there once we get back. Yeah, I think part of it was just that, you know, the, the they had a, per- it had a perfect storm, right? The, mm-hmm. the game, the Dungeons and Dragons online that I stream a lot had a new class come out. And <laughs> yeah. this, the, this uh, magic uh, standard has been a little bit. A little bit on the stale side, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, a new set coming out pretty soon, hopefully, uh, with Akoria, uh, if they don't push it back to the end of the year, you know, but. Uh, yeah. Well, from the latest news that I saw, it looks like they will be changing things up slightly, but it's going to have a digital release, definitely. And then the paper release right. gets pushed back, I think, about a month or so. So we're on track for stuff, but uh, we'll see what else continues to happen as things develop. Yeah. 
of the four big sets of this year, we've got uh, Theros Beyond Death, Ikoria, Lair of Behemoths, uh, Corset 2021, and Zendikar Rising. And the latest thing to look forward to is that Ikoria, Lair of Behemoths, the cards have been spoiled. We've started to see a lot of new cards, a lot of great things to start brewing with. So Talab and I are going to take a moment to talk uh, about a couple of uh, cards that we're enjoying. One of the ones that I really like that I think is really flying under the radar that I really want to put in a lot of my decks is this new card called Lutri the Spell Chaser. Okay, that's that's a pretty good one. Uh, unfortunately, it was banned uh, in Commander before it even saw the light of day. Oh, really? <laughs> it was insta-banned, uh, eh? <laughs> it was uh, banned within 20 minutes of being spoiled. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to find a different elemental otter or cute creature to add to my deck, but I guess there's still plenty of them to choose from because I like to make fun, jank decks, especially tribal ones, and based on what I've researched so far, there are at least 15 cat-related cards. So the one I'm actually picking is going to be Vadrock, Apex of Thunder. Uh, now, I'm not good with all the three color names, so what is red, white, and blue again? That's Mardu, isn't it? Uh, that is, red, white, and blue is Jeskai, or Jeskai. America, as us old farts <laughs> would call it. Oh, okay. So Jeskai colors, this is an elemental dinosaur cat. It's a 3-3. It's got Mutate. Uh, for one, red, red, and an Azorius mana, so either white or blue. It can mutate for that cost. Uh, it's got flying and first strike, and whenever this creature mutates, you may cast target non-creature card with converted mana cost of three or less from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. So you have a little bit of reusable uh, card usage from your graveyard, and it doesn't exile it out of your graveyard. I know a lot of sort of like using from graveyards after you use it once you kind of uh remove it to exile uh so even with just three mana red white and blue you can get a nice three three flying first striker with a lot of upside with some mutate uh yeah i mean i i'm a big fan of uh you know anytime i'm allowed to cast something without paying its mana cost i'm a fan of it mm -hmm. i'm not very adept in those colors, but it, it sounds interesting what this legendary creature might do in a commander deck or in a brawl deck. So that's one of the ones I'm looking forward to. What about yourself? Uh, so I want to preface this. I picked uh, 10 cards uh, from the spoilers <laughs> that I, I like, and I will say, yes, there is biasness. Uh, again, I'm a commander player, so a lot of these are, are kind of focused towards commander. So there is biasness, but uh my first card that I picked uh, is a teamer card, and it's called uh, a Luna Aspect of Wishes. It is a 6-6 uh, six, six flying uh, trample beast elemental dinosaur, uh, and it costs uh, blue, red, and green with, a, uh, with two generic as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a five mana cost, but you can also mutate it for uh, blue, blue, uh, hybrid, green or red, uh, and three. Mm -hmm. uh, flying Trample, whenever this creature mutates, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land permanent card. Put that card onto the battlefield or into your hand. Oh, wow. Or into the, your hand or battlefield. That could be a lot of great synergy, huh? Right, yeah. So I, I really like this because you can either put something just like, hey, this isn't a mutate card, 
or I, I want to put it into play. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a mutate card, you can put it into your hand so that you can mutate later again and get the second trigger. That's what's really great about these mutate cards is that you're going to get multiple triggers uh, off of uh, one creature, even like this, you're you're basically playing a Voltron style deck yeah. um, almost. When you're 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 mutating, you know, you could get, you know, think about like I, I'm thinking about putting this into uh, Teamer Elementals for Standard, even uh, where you're like, hey, I'm gonna mutate this onto Risen Reef. <laughs> uh, it's gonna enter, have a Risen Reef trigger, and mutate, and then the next time you mutate it again you're going to get that trigger plus the Risen Reef trigger as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's huge. It's a lot of value. It definitely sounds like it. And uh, it, I, I guess this is like the Black Border version of Augment in Silver Border in, in the Unsets. So they found a way right. to kind of stack creatures together. And from what I've read, it does not look like there is a limit to how many you can stack in the mutation, does it? So no, there's no limit the way you can stack into mutation, and there is a couple of uh, of key rules that you need to think about when uh, you're mutating. Okay, so first, if you have a mutated creature and someone kills it, it takes away the entire pile. Okay, mm-hmm. so that is going to be a huge. You really need to think about that. That's one of those putting all your eggs in one basket thing. So mm-hmm. if you have a, a a mutated creature, it's got three creatures mutated onto it. Mm-hmm. Someone kills it. That's three creatures that you just lost. So you need to think about that. Second, if you have a mutated creature, let's say that I I have, uh, let's say I'm about to mutate Luna onto uh, Risen Reef. Okay. My opponent goes, okay, kill Risen Reef in response. Mm -hmm. That does not fizzle the spell. You will still get Luna. It will not go on Risen Reef. Risen Reef will die, but you will still get your base creature. Even if there is no... Uh, quote-unquote legal target anymore so you're still going to get that base creature so you're not losing any value on that but it is really important to think about when you're mutating whether or not you're going to want to put you know five creatures all onto one mutate because that is that that is risky what do you think about that sort of variation that if there is no valid target it doesn't fizzle normally if you're trying to put an an aura and such and it can fizzle and your aura just goes straight to the graveyard but here it looks like it'll attempt to mutate but it'll still hit the field even though it didn't yeah i think that's fine uh because most of the mutate costs are very high uh so i Mm. think that it it, you know that's a it's a nice balancing act of like hey you're it, it does cost a lot to do this mutate and also you're putting a lot of risk into like hey if you kill it, then you're killing an entire pile. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, yeah, you can kill it in response and they can mutate it, but the better option is just wait, right? Just sure. wait till you have priority again and then just kill the entire pile. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. All right. So Ilunia seems to be one of the good ones that you're looking forward to. What else? All right. So uh, my next one is, uh, again, I picked five multicolor as my favorite five because this is a multicolor set. Mm-hmm. It was really hard to narrow it down. So I just picked <laughs> the top. I, I did a top 10 list here. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, so my next one is uh, a Jeskai one, um, and it is a Narset of the Ancient Way. Uh, this one I think everybody's really excited about when they all heard rumors that uh, Narset was coming back. Uh, so Narset is a uh, four loyalty planeswalker that costs uh, white, blue, red, and one generic. Uh, she has an uptick of plus one. You gain three life, add blue, red, or white. Uh, you can only spend this to cast non-creature spells. Uh, mm-hmm. Minus two, draw a card. Uh, then you may discard a card. 
When you discard a non-land card this way, Narset of the Ancient Way deals damage equal to that card's converted mana cost to target creature or planeswalker. Mm. Minus six, you gain an emblem with whenever you cast a non-creature spell, this emblem does two damage to any target. Mm -hmm. Uh, So normally I don't like planeswalkers that can't really protect themselves very well. Uh, Narset, she does okay at it, but you're losing value because you're having to discard something that's going to be able to, to bolt something. However, that being said, I do really like the fact of just like, I'm going to draw this card, I'm going to bin it, and then possibly just get it back later because we are in white, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we can very possibly just get this back later. So if I draw, say, bin an omniscience, and now I'm doing 10 damage to something, <laughs> I'm just, you know, just blowing something up. And then, you know, incremental life gain as well as ramp is is very good. I'm so used to just the mono blue Narset that I forget that in her original incarnation, right, in original Tarkir block, she was multicolored, wasn't she? She was. And it's actually kind of funny because uh, if you look at the art, it looks like she's kicking uh, the Boros out. Ah. So she's like, I'm, I'm not happy about this Boros color. Get it out of here. <laughs> I, I think that's uh, I think you're seeing way too much uh, in there. But, yeah, that makes sense. I'm looking at the artwork as well. Uh, but that makes sense. Get out of here, Boros. Yeah, I do. I do really enjoy it, and I've always always thought that uh, Narset art is just very pretty in general. Mm-hmm. In this pose that she's got about like yeah, being much more action oriented compared to the one that I think a lot of people are are used to right. playing recently. About she's got her flowing robes in mono blue and such, but here's just another aspect from her, and it's not too hard to get to that emblem ultimate. And an emblem is right. a thing that people cannot interact with at the moment, so the damage will come from the emblem and not any. I feel like that's a way that we'll, we'll that we'll we'll get that eventually. I think, um, so, yeah. I think that Morrow has even said at some mm-hmm. point that he's willing to uh, look into uh, some type of emblem emblem removal. Yeah, I think so. No doubt, um, that'll happen. They're always kind of like piece piecing out there uh, the grand scheme of things, and then maybe months or years later, it comes back uh, full circle. So, no doubt, we'll see some emblem interaction. Right. Uh, so my next card is uh, actually one that I'm going to be putting into one of my own personal commander decks, which is uh, my two lane deck. Uh, we actually talked about it on uh, the Brawl episode uh, mm-hmm. that I was on, uh, where we talked about uh, two lane for Brawl Commander. Um, I have a regular commander deck that is two lane. It's a Druid uh, Storm. Uh, and this is one that's going to go into it. And it's uh, Kinnon uh, Border Prodigy. It is a uh, 2-2 human druid uh, for blue-green. Whenever you tap a non-land permanent for mana, add one mana of any type to uh, that permanent produced. Uh, Then you can pay seven blue-green and five generic to look at the top five cards of your library. You may put a non-human creature card from among them onto the battlefield, put the rest onto the bottom of your library in a random order. Hmm. so again, I want to keep the number of druids up in my deck. So having another druid that actually does something is great. Uh, so uh, one thing is is that uh, one one very popular thing with druids is that they produce mana. Mm-hmm. That's just what they do. There there are a lot of elves. They 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 produce green. A lot of them are just say tap to add green, right? So this is just another way to hey hey now my land war elves is, is tapping to add two or my land war tribe is now tapping to add four. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a good value kind of thing for cheap. Mm-hmm. Notice it's also non-land permanent. So wouldn't that also, uh, for example, soul ring? Because it's not just yes. going to be a mana dork. It's going to be any mana producing permanent. 
Right, so like Soul Ring is going to tap to add uh, three mana, yes. Super good. Turning your Soul Ring into a Thran Dynamo is, I'll take that any day. <laughs> yes. Uh, the artwork is interesting. Um, they've got like, uh, I guess, I-, I first looked at it as like a Dr. Octopus from Spider-Man sort of clothing, but I guess it has yeah. something to do with like monster hunting and such. And, and, and you know, like- I've almost, I- I'm almost trained to see it in, from magic now, but like I, if you look over on the, the right, uh, I guess what there would be their left shoulder, hmm. that almost looks like uh, bolus horns, you know, oh, and yeah. uh, hmm. you know, you, you almost kind of, you keep looking for that, even though like we know that bolus isn't around right now, but you know, they're, yeah. You gotta wonder, right? Yeah, maybe it's very subconscious. You know, we've all been, uh, we've all been uh, duped by the God Pharaoh enough times that we see him everywhere. Right, right. Now that uh, that seven cost, uh, it's just if if you have seven mana, you can do it. It's it doesn't even require the tap where it would just be right. done once. So if again, like you said, with druids making a bunch of mana, you might be able to pull this off multiple times. I mean, you could pull this off as early as like turn three or turn four, even you know. Mm-hmm. with druids mm-hmm. yeah so we've got a sneak attack for seven uh but in those colors that uh wouldn't have too much of a problem right right i mean you can just even just flip a crater hoof and just win on the spot almost you know <laughs> yeah oh very nice what's the next one all right so the next one is a little bit we could say controversial i suppose uh because the next one is uh godzilla king of the monsters <laughs> Uh, so I, for one, actually really enjoy these, uh, these Godzilla themed altars, I guess you could call them. Um, uh, but this one is actually, uh, Zathora strength of uh, strength incarnate. It costs a red, green, and three. It is a seven, three with trample, Uh, lethal damage to creatures you control is determined by their power rather than their toughness. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of the anti uh, Doran, right? So we have Doran who uses their toughness to uh, attack, right? Now we have something that says, Hey, now I'm big and bad. My power for my hit points. Mm -hmm. So, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that, that we're kind of getting these kind of callbacks of like, almost like antithesis to another creature right yeah it, it i first sort of started to think about it more as like the uh, uh the recent arcades card but it's not exactly along that vein it's just that it's kind of like messing with what power and toughness is but yeah doran uh the siege tower is that the full name on that yes doran the siege tower yeah so it's just another way to kind of subvert what might have already existed it's a seven three but the lethal damage uh, is based on its power uh that's really right. interesting so this is basically just a seven seven realistically mm-hmm. seven seven for five which is really good yes and i do agree on like the the sort of like alters or the alternate version of these so for those that want the original like magic skewed version okay get zilortha itself but if you want like this fun new uh licensed version you can have godzilla in your magic deck and we got a bunch of those we got mothra who else was there um space godzilla we got um was Mecha Godzilla in there? But we got a lot yeah, of these Tojo We, we got monsters. a lot of them, which is, it, it, I just think is really cool to just see these crossovers. And it just opens up a world where we could have other crossovers. Like, I'm a huge D&D nerd. I would like, I would buy all of the Forgotten Realms. If they if we have a Forgotten Realms, you know, we have Elminster, we have Dritz come in. I would just buy it all, you know? Mm. <laughs> yeah. It really, like, they've the company really does have, or trying to expand into 
the pulse of uh, of the fandom in terms of here's some fun big monsters, some classic monsters, and like you just said, if they integrated a little bit more with D and D, you'd be totally on board. Right, right. Now this one's the buy a box, but in the realms of like digital magic, that's not a big deal. However, in real life, uh, what did you th- what do you think about like power rankings? Obviously, if we maybe say like Nexus, uh, Nexus of Fate, is that the one? The one that lets you take turns, right? Uh, yeah, if that one's like the top level, this is this is not on that level, this of course. But this yeah. is pretty low power, I think. You know, but it's it's going to be a fun card that we'll see. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to see it in like a lot of decks. Like we're not going to see. I don't think that we'll see this at the Pro Tour. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe just someone as kind of showing off his bling if they get the shiny one. Right. Right. Uh, so my last uh, card for the multicolors that I selected was uh, Eerie Ultimatum. Uh, it is uh, two white, three black, and two green uh, for a sorcery. Uh, return any number of permanents with different names uh, from your graveyard to the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are kind of a callback to and finishing a cycle of the old ultimatums, which were like Violent Ultimatum and Cruel Ultimatum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, those were back in the Alara days, I believe. I remember precisely. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is an ins- insane amount of value, uh, even in standard. I mean, this is like nuts. It's a huge cost. But and when again, my my uh, my biasness is towards commander. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at this, this just reads return every card from your graveyard to the battlefield yes. because as commander is a singleton. You everything's different named. I mean, you can't return multiple basic lands, but who cares, right? Yes. You, you just got done getting a board wipe, and now all your stuff's back as well as your fetch lands. This is insane. Yeah, and I love that it says return any number of permanents. So this definitely screams for a singleton format. Uh, but unfortunately, people that play like an all persistent petitioners deck are out of luck, as well right. as the. Uh, relentless rat, rats relentless rats but yeah it's a big mana investment but you get a lot of upside especially later in the game when obviously you've built up that mana base and a lot of stuff has been in the graveyard bring right. back all those permanents and once again those fetch lands reduce stuff with that uh pretty powerful well i'm looking at like hermit druid right where you pay a green and flip until you see a basic land like most of those decks ha- run like three basic lands. So <laughs> you play Hermit Druid, flip your deck over into your graveyard basically, and then return everything. Like, how do you not win from that spot? Yeah, when you got all your best permanents, all your good stuff on the on the field for that cost, uh, pretty insurmountable. Right. Pretty cool art as well. It's kind of like if this were a creature, I'm sure the type line would be something like, you know, Nightmare Giraffe Elephant thing. Yeah, yeah, something, <laughs> something insane. Yeah, that's what I I do like about Ikoria is just all these weird monsters that we get, right? Yeah, uh, when Morrow gave the little bit of teaser a few weeks ago about Demon Kraken, that's the one that jumped out to me. But isn't there also some like Nightmare Squirrel or something? Has that one been previewed? There yet? was a squirrel. Yeah, there was some type of squirrel. <laughs> Which makes me think I have a friend, a personal friend that I've known for for many, many years, and he's got some obsession with squirrels. And just every time I see a squirrel card, I kind of had to pick it up and and grab it just to show him. Yeah, yeah, same here with cats. But uh, I think the squirrels might win out on the cute level, especially when they're nightmare squirrels or whatever they are. Yeah. Okay, so for my next ones, uh, these next five are uh, one from each color that I really like and I think are going to be good. Uh, And we'll start with black. Uh, and this is a heartless act. 
uh, and mm. it's uh, black and one colorless for an instant, uh, and you choose one, uh, you destroy a creature with no counters on it, or you remove up to three counters uh, from target creature. Um, and what uh, I really enjoy about this card is, uh, from a commander aspect, is uh, this is a, a nice hoser for you know a lot of the the decks that are like, you know, just hey, I I have like a Marin, I need to to kill it right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is just another answer to Marin or something like that. Um, or you can just remove counters from things like uh, the um, the walking grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a lot of stuff in standard that is going to kill, but uh, I don't know. This is to me, this is just a card that I think is is very good. It could kill like a stone coil. What's that one? Stone coil. Stone coil serpent. Yep. Serpent. It is a way to kill that. Yep. So it's. um. It's also I, I heard someone or I read it on a tweet that this is like this is a uh, this is the new Doom Blade as well two mana instant kill spell and with depending on the format of course creature with no counters could be many kinds of creatures so it could be like yeah, yeah. a version of Doom Blade back in standard right and then it's uncommon so not too hard to find in in a draft or put them together in a standard or or any other type of deck. Yeah, and it also can like if your your uh, opponent just made a a big investment into uh, like incubation druid, like you could just mm. take the counters off of it. No, oh, yeah, yeah. So all of that stuff with um, what was it called back in Return to Return to Ravnica? Um, it was uh, uh, evolve. No, not evolve. Um, I'm thinking augment, but that's wrong too. Uh, something mutate. No, that's this one. Uh, no, that's the new set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, well, well, I guess we can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember it working, but I don't remember what it was called. Yeah, I don't remember what it was either. Yeah. Well, it'll work for there as well. Get down those incub- incubation druids back down to their uh, zero power and then take off that uh, yeah. man-producing ability. Or just destroy it. Yeah, or or just destroy it while, uh, while they uh, pay Before. the cost of whatever, that, whatever that's called. <laughs> yeah. All right, so my next one is uh, my red card, uh, and this is uh, Luca Copper uh, Copper Coat Outcast. Uh, it's a Mythic Planeswalker, uh, five mana, red, red, and three for a uh, five loyalty Planeswalker. Uh, you pay one to exile the top three cards of your library. Uh, creature cards exiled this way gain. You may cast this card from exile as long as you control a Luca Planeswalker. <laughs> uh, exile target creature you control, then reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card with higher converted mana cost. Put that card into the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, and then a minus seven. Each creature you control deals combat damage to uh, uh, to its power to each opponent. um for me uh that minus two ability is what's important Mm -hmm. uh everything else i i I wouldn't even care if this this planeswalker had no other abilities that minus (laughs) two is important Mm -hmm. uh because if you have a a bunch of ways to generate tokens like if you say you you put put this into a deck a commander deck and all your deck is just ways of making tokens Mm -hmm. except for one creature you are guaranteed to get that one creature. Mm-hmm. And as long as that one creature is a big bomb, you're, you're going to win, you know, yeah. like you're, you could have like a Eldrazi in there and yeah. you're turning a servo into an Eldrazi. And, <laughs> and I will, I will give credit. I, I did not think of this. I did see this on star city versus, but when I saw it, I was like, 
this is what I'm building. This mm. is the coolest idea. It was just a bunch of planeswalkers to make tokens like Sahili and, mm. you know, things like that. But it was just so cool. And th- this card is just really good. And, and I mean, the other abilities are still good even, you know? Yeah, that's how, exactly how you put it in terms of Eldrazi or how you put it, uh, Servo into Eldrazi. That could definitely happen there uh, with a lot of token making because tokens are zero casting cost, right? Right. Um, so even if you get it, like the, the fun, like the, um, the Timmy Tammy aspect of it is the minus seven where all your creatures suddenly like, uh, uh, attack all the opponents at once, but you don't even need to get it that far. If you do the minus two from the initial casting of the planeswalker to really, uh, go into some big threats. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so my next card is uh, Colossification. It is a green card. Uh, and this is the Timmy in me that just screams, and I love this. Uh, it is, I love the art. I love everything about this card. I, I gush over this card. Uh, so it is a green, green five generic uh, for an enchantment aura. Uh, it says enchanted creature. Uh, when, enchant- when Colossification enters the battlefield, tap enchanted creature. Enchanted creature gets plus 20, plus 20. <laughs> Uh, and then the, the I want to read the flavor art because the flavor text on this is just awesome. <laughs> uh, turns out the case of the flattened outpost and the case of the missing kitten were related. <laughs> like, I love that. That is just great. So I'm actually planning on playing this in the um, in the uh, the streamer event. Mm-hmm. Uh I want to uh, be discarding this and uh, putting it on the, uh, what is the creature uh, from the last set that when it errors, you uh, return an aura. Um, the red creature. I can't think of it, but mm-hmm. uh, just do a red grain like discard and just get this onto that creature and say, can you deal with this? Because if you can't, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you have suddenly a giant cat towering over the trees at 2020. What did Colossal Hammer add? Was that a plus 10, plus 10, or a plus 20? Yeah, plus 10, plus 10, yeah. Yeah, so here you've got a, a little bit uh, uh, of that uh, mana investment, but like how you just said, kind of like sneak it into play, cheat it into play. Yeah, you get a 2020, and you can do it pretty early on because that other creature's a pretty low-cost one, the one that you mentioned that would... Yeah, it's a, like a four-cost or okay. three-cost even. Yeah. Uh, but the th- you do have to be able to untap them instantly because that creature does have haste which is nice yeah. but if you can un- you have to be able to untap it right mm-hmm. but uh, i don't know it, to me this just this jankiness uh, like hey deal with this creature you're dead it, it just it's it, it just makes me giggle you know now you glossed over something but do you want to expand upon it about the streamer event uh so yeah uh wizards uh does every uh every um set there is a streamer event early access uh streamers only uh and what it is is a, a nice way for you to see uh the new cards uh being uh played mm-hmm. uh usually it is uh what, 23 hours and i do all of it mm-hmm. uh most of the time uh, when i'm not like you know too tired to do so yeah. uh but uh me uh, i do it as well over at twitch.tv slash top hat to lab uh vm campos does it as well um and uh several other streamers i mean you have like jim davis doing it there's there's lots of people that do it um uh, lots of previous guests who uh enter the arena as well Uh, so you know just go over to twitch.tv uh on the date and uh take a look for uh your favorite streamer and uh go take a watch you know uh subscribe to them and you know just show them some love 
Yeah, thanks, Wizards of the Coast, for giving access to so many uh, people to be able to play the game early. It's like a pre-pre-pre-release, and it let, it gives people a chance to get hyped about the new cards and figure out some new fun decks, some jank decks, some meta decks, uh, and just uh, play for like 23, 24 hours or so. And uh, my hat off to you that you're going to try to do the whole nonstop thing. I'll probably top out at about nine hours or so. But um, I'll probably then pop in when you're not, when I'm not a streaming, I'll go check out what you're up to. I appreciate that. So I, I can't wait to see this Colossification being attached to um, uh, that one, that one Garrison Cat. Yeah, that'll work because this is a one, uh, one casting cost Garrison Cat in white and it's a one one <laughs> itself and then attach this Colossification and then all of the... Um, all the giant kitties. All, all the, the giant, giant kitties. kitties. Yeah. <laughs> Or put it on, if you're playing with like the previous Charm Stray, put this on a Charm Stray. Now you've got a 21-21 lifelinking cat. We, we can do all the jank. We'll, we'll, we'll put a 1-1 one, one, uh, Charm Stray with a mirror, mirror gallery or whatever it is that you flip coins oh, yeah, and get yeah. all the copies. Yeah, mm -hmm. we'll just do all. We'll, we'll make a historic jet deck, do all the jank. Yeah. That's what That's it's what for. you can expect from my stream, people. <laughs> Can't wait. It won't be good, but it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you want to meme or do you want to win? I want to meme every day, all day. <laughs> all right, so my next card uh, is my blue card, uh, and this is Shark Typhoon. Uh, <laughs> it is an enchantment uh, that costs blue, uh, blue and five generic. Uh, when you cast a non-creature spell, create an XX blue shark creature token with flying, where X is the spell's converted mana cost. That's kind of the side thing about this card. The main thing about this card is it has cycling, uh, blue, and one, and X generic. Uh, discard this card and draw a card. That's what cycling does. Uh, and when you cycle uh, shark typhoon, create an XX blue shark creature token with flying. Um, so what's really cool about this is that this is an uncounterable creature. Um, you pay blue and one and say five, discard this, you draw a card and you make a five, five. Uh, this is like exactly what blue wants to do, right? They want to make big giant creatures once they've controlled the board that they, that you can't answer, right? Mm -hmm. You have to kill this right now. And then, you know, sure. You know, you can you can kill it, but, you know, what's the odds that once they're actually cycling this, what's the odds that they're not going to have a counterspell, right? Yeah, and especially because it's a it's an ability, so you're going to need Stifle outside of Arena or uh, Tail's End uh, right. to get that, and most people are not really running that. So, yeah, definitely this could be a huge shark creature out of the blue, out of the Typhoon. Right. And what's nice is that they give you an, uh, an additional ability of just like, hey... You can pay this for six mana, and now all of your counter spells come with a creature attached to them. This mm -hmm. is amazing. It's really good. It's a high cost spell, which does make it a little bit worse, but it gives you a flying creature. Uh, and I mean, if you have counter spell, you counter spell somebody's spell, you get a two two flying creature, which is you know, I mean, people play you know people play Talrand, and that's what Talrand does. Yeah. Is this off the top of your head like the first cycling X card? Um, no, there was there there's one that uh was it a Chroma's Wrath or something like that? There hmm. there's an a, an X cycling cost card. 
Must be pretty rare, though. You just don't really see them that often. You don't see them very often. But also, to be fair, we haven't had a ton of cycling cards, right? Like, mm -hmm. we had one set that was, like, really heavy into cycling. Or we had two sets that were really heavily into cycling. And now we're getting the third set, right? Well, those original sets, were the those were way back in, like, uh, what, Tempest block in yeah. the turn of the century and such? Yeah, but <laughs> and they, they weren't even really all that great. They were okay. Some of them were really, really good. Still see play, but... As far as, you know, most of it, most of the stuff doesn't see play anymore. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, I noticed that your final card seems to be white. Does that have any sort of sub-meaning, subtext? Uh, well, other than the fact that I, I don't play white very often, no. <laughs> um, and also, I want to put a caveat with the yes. I know this is technically a multicolor card, <laughs> but uh, Mythos of Snapdax. So this is uh, white, white, and two for a sorcery. Uh, each player chooses an artifact, a creature, an enchantment, a planeswalker from among the non-land permanents that they control and then sacrifices the rest. If black red was spent to cast the spell, you choose uh, permanents. Uh, you choose those permanents uh, of each player instead. Uh, so you can go uh, black, red, uh, white, white, um, and you can choose their worst stuff and you choose your best stuff and everybody sacrifices the rest and that's that's really cool it's, it's a uh akin to older cards that we've seen before that have done the same kind of thing where like you know you choose uh everybody gets a choice on it on what they want and they mm. pick their best thing and then sacrifice the rest so it's a nice little kind of pseudo board wipe almost now i i haven't um fully read up on this particular card but is it that the red uh, and and black replace the generic, or do you add that as well as the generic? So is it actually the full alternate cost red, black, two, and white, white, or is it? No, uh, it is white, white, black, red, oh, okay. uh, because it will replace the generic because it says if uh, black, red was spent to cast this mana. So mm -hmm. uh, generic mana is, is basically, for the newer players out there, generic mana is... Uh, we used to call it colorless, but you can't call it colorless <laughs> anymore because we do have actually have colorless now. But uh, it is a replacement of that color. So mm -hmm. since this is a four mana cost thing, to get the ability, you have to spend black and red. So mm -hmm. the only way to actually spend black and red outside of increasing your own cost of the card is by saying, I'm using black red to pay for my generic. So it, mm. this spell would technically be white, white, black, red. Mm -hmm. um, if you do white, white, red, red, then you would not get the other ability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very subtle thing. When I first looked at it, I thought it was going to be like add two more mana to the original casting, but it makes perfect sense what you're saying in terms of, yeah, that generic mana can normally a person might just do two more white if they're in white. But it does make sense that, no, I'm paying with this extra right. Rakdos mana, and then I get the, the full effect, a non-symmetrical um, uh, result. And even in mono-white, this is fine. Like, if you want to go, hey, all right, I'm going to pay four mana, we're all going to pick our best thing and then sacrifice the rest, like, that's still going to be fine, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're going to be playing against, like, mono-red, you're you're board-wiping them. You're, you're giving them one creature... It's probably going to be a, a pretty crappy little creature that you'll be able to deal with later. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be able to block because you're picking your best thing. Yeah. Now, 
how does the um, how does the commander or brawl rule apply here? Because these are mana cost uh, colored mana costs in in it, so it wouldn't work in a mono white Heliod. Type it would deck, not would it? work. So the way the commander ruling or brawl ruling works is unless it is reminder text. So hmm. uh, for instance, uh, extort. Okay, uh, if you remember the old extort cards, they say, "Hey, you can pay black or white hybrid mana to uh, cast this." Now you can have that in your um, in your mono white deck because mm. that's not the ability. The ability isn't pay black or white hybrid. Mm. It's you may pay black or white, mm-hmm. um, and that's in the reminder text. So if it's in the reminder text, you can have it. Now here, the only way that you can have this card is if you are playing in a Mardu deck because it does have an actual cost in the card and not in the reminder text as part of the rulings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty, a lot of little distinctions that uh, if you're not up to date with some of these details, then you it, you could get tripped up. So thanks for explaining that, definitely. So yeah. uh, I noticed someone uh, jokingly mentioned, they, when they showed me that card, they mentioned, didn't you see this named as Mythos of Spandex? Spandex, I do like that, that's funny. <laughs> And that said, McKinnon Art, he's doing his uh, different sort of style where it uh, looks like cave paintings and such like, you know, Caves of Lascaux sort of style. So I think that's kind of cool that we've got these variations in like the Godzilla version of art. And then a lot of these Mythos ones or all of these Mythos ones, I guess, are going to be in this alternate style as well. So that's pretty cool that they're branching out. And actually for you, since I know you do a comic book thing, uh, there is going to be comic book art as well. Yeah. Uh, so there will be a third art style, which is going to be comic book for a lot of the legendary creatures and things like that. Yeah, I saw a few of those. Those were pretty impressive as well. A sort of like simplified, still complex in terms of uh, design, but like a simplified color palette and such. So I definitely saw those. And I like that uh, we're getting all of those variations of cards to put in our decks. Right. And the last one, I actually, uh, as we were talking, I remembered I had not picked a colorless card. Uh, and this one actually goes back to one of the cards we talked about earlier, when I think it's uh, actually important to uh, to point it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is uh, the Ozolith. Um, it is a one-mana legendary artifact. Uh, whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield, if it had counters on it, put those counters on the Ozolith. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if the Ozolith has counters on it, you may move all counters from the Ozolith onto target creature. Um, so this is a lot of super good value in standard as well as commander. Actually, it's even more in commander. Um, I think that uh, this card is actually just straight auto include in Animar decks because one of the best things about Animar is that reduction, right? And, mm-hmm. the, and the way you fight that reduction is by just killing Animar relentlessly. The thing with this is that that makes it harder to do that because now you go, okay, I kill your Animar and they go, all right, well, I move my five counters off of Animar onto the Ozolith. Yeah. I replay Animar, go to combat, put all of those counters back on Animar. Now I'm, I'm right back in the same position that I was before. Yeah. I wonder what the kind of like the story is behind it. The Ozolith. I don't know if they revealed all of the story, but even if you don't know the story, what you just said about like, this sort of like counter shenanigans, these counter musical chairs, if you will, uh, imagine also kind of maybe working with something like um, right. like with um, Walking Ballista or anything that cares about counters as well. Um, well, an important distinction here as well, as we need to talk about here, is that um, we're, we're referencing a lot of plus one, plus one counters. But we got to remember now 
we have more counters in the game now. Okay. So we have uh, flying counters now. We have menace counters. We have trample counters. We have so many different actual, like, evergreen counters. Mm-hmm. So if you have a way to uh, put this on, like, let's say that you have a uh, creature that when it enters, you put a flying counter on something, right? Mm-hmm. That creature dies. You put that flying counter over on the Ozolith, and now you play another creature. You go to combat. You put a flying counter on the next creature that you play. You now have another flying creature. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That's one of the big new mechanics of this set that you have these uh, keyword abilities. Uh, you have these you have these keywords that are now counters, which, yeah, you can move them around. And this is like the perfect way to do that. It's just a one casting cost artifact, although it is legendary, but uh, that's that does make sense. So you can give your creature double flying somehow. Right. <laughs> Not that that does anything, but yeah, you can do that. <laughs> yes. um, the, it's just, it, it, it's a card that, you know, for, for some reason when I was picking these cards, I didn't really think of a colorless card. And then I went, you know what? This is this needs to be brought up. This is a, a card that I think is going to be very, very good and very important. Uh, which, speaking of that, the last thing is the lands. I do believe that we should talk about the lands. Sure. Uh, so the lands, the new lands, let me pull these up real quick. Uh, where are they at? Here they are. Uh, so we got a new cycle of lands, and these are going to be, uh, first off, very expensive. These lands are going to be money. Okay? Hmm. So if you pull them, keep them they're going to be good they're going to they're always going to hold their value they're very good uh so we'll just take uh one of them here uh uh zargoth uh zargoth triumph too bad they're all unpronounceable there are they all are unpronounceable <laughs> uh so this is a land swamp forest island <laughs> uh so Think about that. This is a triple land, a triple fetchable land. We haven't had those before. We've had double lands, uh, but this is a triple land. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes in tapped, which is the the downside to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has it's black. It taps for black, green, or blue, and we do have a cycle of them. So we have one that taps for black, red, white. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have one that's blue, red, white. Uh, it's the full shard cycle, mm-hmm. uh, but it also has a uh, cycling three. So this is really good. If you have like, let's say you're in commander and you play turn one verdant catacombs, you can sacrifice your verdant catacombs. You can go get uh, Zargoth Triumph and go get, you now have a triple land on turn one. Sure. Comes mm-hmm. in tapped, mm-hmm. whatever. But let's say you're on turn 15. You now have something that just, hey, hey, I have a land in my hand. I don't need it anymore. Cycle away for another card. Yeah. These cards are great, and even if they 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 come in tapped, who cares? They're still great. They're still good mana fixing. You know, they're they're they may not be as good as the Shocklands, but you know, even that's arguable, right? Because mm-hmm. now you have something that taps for three mana instead of uh, three different types of mana instead of the two mana, and they're fetchable because something like a Bant Panorama, you know, the Panorama Trilands, those weren't those those didn't have the basic land type also attached to them, did they? No, no. So these the the only one there is one uh, land that is uh, fetchable that is a triple land. Can you think of it? Mm, one from homelands. It is the tree folk land. You have to reveal a tree folk. It it is a forest, uh, but it can also tap for black or white. That is the only land that we've ever had that's been a fetchable triple land. But oh. now we actually do have uh, triple lands. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. Um, very powerful, like you're saying. Uh, 
they synergize, of course, with those fetch lands. And even if you don't have fetch lands in your collection, a triple land that will help you mana fix. Uh, that'll be valuable in just about any format. And if you play your cards just right, you have the you can have this on on turn one, either to go either fetching it or if you draw it naturally, you're you're in the business. Right, and then just having that ability to cycle it uh, is is really important because you know how many times have you like drawn a card? You know, you're real late in the game. You're playing a control deck or something. You draw a card and it's a land, and you're just like it's like that feel bad moment. Yeah. Like, Man, it's your land. I have nothing to do. Exactly. Not anymore. You have a three. You have three mana. Boom! Pitch it. Get a new card. Definitely, because when I've been playing recently on Arena with the historic cards, and there's cycling lands in there. There's Baron Moor and Lonely Sandbar and such. So it's definitely worked there in terms of I don't need a land at the moment. Let me cycle it. Oh, I got a better card. Same thing right. here. You might not need three, uh, three colors at the moment. You're set for land. Just cycle it, and you might get something better. Right, right. And I know a lot of people, they do, they kind of poo-poo on the whole, uh, kind of slows me down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is such good mana fixing. And I and just the fact that they are fetchable, it, they are going to fetch a very high price. <laughs> Fetches, fetching high prices as usual. Right. I I wouldn't be surprised if these are $20 while they're in standard and then they go up to, hmm. you know, $40 afterwards, you know? Yeah. Yeah, especially with the with the new um, the new wedge set that you want to play a bunch of different colors, so this will help you on that. Um, did you right. notice that Savai Triome to me at least reminds me of like the Pride Lands from the Lion King movie? Kind of. To me, it looks almost like a lo- uh, a, a crab claw coming out of the ground. Oh, okay. Well, then now I see crab claws everywhere because I also see that in the Raugrin Triome crab claws there. <laughs> we see what we want to in these in these lands yeah. but uh, i like how their color palettes you know the indatha triome it's got uh it's got some of those shades of the green and the and the black and such so yeah i will really say pretty. that the art the art in the set is is definitely on point i mean you know uh, I'm looking at Farfinder, which was uh which was uh lady lavinia's uh uh spoiler card it's very pretty you know like a lot of the art is just very very nice i think they did a fantastic job on the art in the set i do too i like that there's kind of like a lot of like gems and luminous aspect of things in the in this color palette ranging throughout the whole spectrum and yeah far finders i had not seen that one but that one's pretty cute creature fox vigilance one one oh it's a colorless isn't it it is colorless yes uh, what I uh, I was actually really surprised because I thought with the the set that's like monster oriented, right? Like l- or big monsters. Like I thought we were gonna get kind of a gritty, dark kind of art style. But a lot of these cards are actually very pretty and very kind of yeah. like colorful. And you know, you're looking at them and you're like, you know, I I like that they're changing this up now. Like the black cards, yeah, sure they're gritty, but the black <laughs> cards are supposed to be. Right, yes. but you know the blue cards and the 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 white cards. A lot of them are just really colorful and really pretty, and I and I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with what we got. I think so too. I think it's a, a cool new set with some cool new mechanics to try out. And as early streamers, we'll be able to put that theory crafting into practice soon enough, and then um, disperse the information out to all of our followers and such, and get everyone hyped for the new cards. Definitely. Well, final thoughts on what the uh, what Ikoria has in store for us? Uh, 
a lot of fun, a lot of jank. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, it's going to shake up standard quite a bit, uh, and it's definitely going to shake Commander up. There's a lot of good Commander cards in here. Yeah, can't wait to try them out, and I can't wait to put that Colossification on a little old cat. That's right. Make the little kitty into a big kitty. <laughs> yes. Okay, so then the next set after that, we're returning to core set. So it'll be the third core set after their triumphant return. Uh, and I think there was a, a little blurb about that. It's going to be Teferi focused. Did you hear anything about that? I did not. I think Morrow mentioned it somewhere, just like very offhandedly. Like, if you like Teferi, this will be Teferi. And this was already like uh, one month ago. Well, I guess more than more than that, yeah. The the whole year's feeling compressed. I think it was during that release with uh, that whole like preview thing that they did with Jimmy Wong, um, when oh, they okay. baked cookies. Remember that? Yeah, um, yeah. So way back whenever that happened, and then after that, we're gonna get the uh, return to return to Zendikar. Any general thoughts on that? I think Zendikar's old and tired by now. Hmm. I wasn't playing during the original ones, and I and I kind of know from chatter that the first one people really liked it, and then the second one they didn't quite, and then so here's a third one which is wasn't really that long ago, especially compared to Theros, right? We were kind of right. just there, and I that, I think that's why I might feel like it's old and tired is because we were just there, and I kind of want to go somewhere else. Yeah, well, I can't wait for Return to Ice Age. Uh, I mean, I'm really excited for, um, spoiler warning for the, uh, Theros storyline. If you haven't read the Theros storyline, <laughs> uh, it does look like we are going, uh, to Phyrexia soon. And I think mm -hmm. that's something I'm really excited about. Mm -hmm. That could definitely be fertile ground for, for stories, especially with the hints that we got in 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 theros and if you read the story of course you got even more so uh how did you feel uh about the last uh phyrexia focused set which i guess if I, my timeline is correct that was way back way back i guess right it, scars of mirrodin way back way back yeah it was it was a long while back but i liked it i thought it was fun i mean i know that's kind of not what everybody thinks but i thought it was fun mm -hmm. But then again, I'm also the one that's pushing to say, hey, let's go back to Kamigawa. So, you know. Sure. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot more people that would be like to go back to Kamigawa than than uh, Phyrexia, perhaps. I I kind of see a lot of retroactive love for Kamigawa and uh, Lorwyn. Um, I think people are really worried about Kamigawa because of how much of it was a garbage fire the last time. Oh. So. <laughs> Uh, I think but part of the big issue was that it was too parasitic, right? That like the mechanics really only existed here or, or like what was the big problem with it? Yeah, yeah, I think it was just that it, either A, people didn't understand the mechanics well enough or just it was unbalanced, I believe was part of the other pro uh, thing people were complaining about, I believe. Mm, okay. Well, I kind of felt, I've said it on, on previous episodes recently of the podcast, that I, I kind of didn't like that Wizards revealed, like, I know it was just the names, but that already carries a lot of baggage. I didn't like that they revealed the whole year's worth of, of stuff in one fell swoop. I think that was part of the fatigue of, like, constant hype mode. And I've had other people on the podcast that say, oh, I like it. You know, we kind of know what we're in for. But I personally, I felt like I, I'd like to have a little bit more mystery about it and reveals not that far in the future and what about yourself like uh like early reveals again it wasn't much of a reveal it's just a name but what do you think too early or 
just right. I I would like to have a light. And what I mean by that is I would like to say, hey, 2020, this is what we're doing. We're going to do, we're going to go back to two, two planes. We're not telling you what planes they are, but we're going to go back to two planes mm-hmm. and we're going to have one new plane. And that's it. That's what I want. That I like that speculation of, oh, you know what? I bet that we're going back to, to Zendikar, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. It's definitely Kamigawa. You know, like, that's what I like. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that, actually. I would have liked that as well. Keep a little bit of a mystery in it. Reveal that, that, yes, you'll have some familiar stuff. And obviously, if it's something that we're returning to, that probably meant it was popular. So people will like it again, probably. And then a brand new thing. So that it gets, lets them stretch their wings. So... That's exactly right. what's happening this year. We had the we had the the two returns, one new thing, and then corset, which is a little bit of a hodgepodge of everything. Right, and I mean, I think that it worked out. You know, like they they can do something like that because Morrow just did something. Um, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said something about basically like, hey, things that you can see in Ikoria, and it was like a returning mechanic yeah. and. You know, things like that. Open yeah, it was his like teaser, like keyword teasers. I, I think I saw that article about like, here's some, I used to do this a while ago and let me do it again. It's just like teasers of things. And one was right. like, this is the only the fourth card ever to care about something. Right. Yeah. And I think that's something they could do instead of just like, hey, this is what we're doing for the entire year. Yeah. And it opens up some discussion and, you know, some speculation and that's fun. Yeah. And a little bit of uh, hype for it and wanting for it and uh getting us to play magic and pay attention. Right. Well, um, I guess as we wind down, any general thoughts on anything else we've covered or anything we didn't? No, I, I think we had a, a good, good long conversation. Yeah, there's always a lot to talk about magic, and I'm sure right after the we finish talking, I, I, I'll remember, hey, I should have talked about X, Y, and Z, and, and you as well. Thanks for uh, for your thoughts on all of this stuff. Uh, tell the listeners once again where they can find you online and what you're up to. All right, so I'm on uh, twitch.tv slash tolab. Again, I'm a variety streamer, so I'm not always streaming Magic Arena. Uh, lately, I have not been streaming as much as I should, but that's going to be changing. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm on uh, Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash tophattolab as well. Uh, you can find me on various other streamers' uh, streams. I do a lot of co- co-streaming and things like that. So mm-hmm. that's where you can find me. Cool. Thank you. As for myself, I'm also on Twitter and Twitch and YouTube all over the place. Just search for VM Campos. I've been thinking about it, and I think I'm going to go for it. I'm going to change my stream time. I've uh, been doing it at 11 p.m. Pacific time, but I think I'm going to make it a little bit earlier. I'm going to give it... Gonna get, I'm going to give it a try at 8 p.m. just to see how that goes, see if we get different people coming in to hang out and maybe for a little bit longer because the people that were coming to hang out in various time zones, it was getting pretty late for them. So let's see if we can get things going on a little bit earlier. So that's twitch.tv slash vmcampos and twitter.com slash vmcampos. And there's also a Patreon, patreon.com slash vmcampos. Just follow for free. You'll be alerted to all the cool stuff that I do. Well, Talab, one more time, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast and hope to have you again uh, soon enough to talk about the next great cards. I'm glad to be here. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena. <laughs>